All right, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk, Michigan edition. A day early, baby. Uh, Jeff here. Dan, how are you, man? Uh, doing good, buddy. Uh, it's hockey season. We're up in Michigan hockey. We just went to uh, last Saturday's game against Lindenwood, where Wolverines swept uh, the Lions. Um, so college um, hockey is well underway now, and you know, the NHL is about to start. So uh, it's an exciting time. I'm more, obviously, U of M uh hockey fan than than red wings or nhl or anything like that but man um it's, it's the prime time of the year for for me at least yeah um just got done listening to obviously i was listening to some football podcasts but uh my first michigan basketball podcast of the year just kind of getting a off-season recap um they do over on john jansen's podcast it's called defend the block really good stuff if you're interested in something like that it's about 35 to 40 minutes of Basically, off-season recap: Who's coming in? Who's going? Um, quick little thirty to two-minute inter, thirty-second to two-minute interviews with players, and kind of get a feel for them. But Michigan basketball, I'm, I'm excited for. I know you're hyped for hockey, as am I. Um, definitely not as invested in hockey as I know you are. But um, yeah, football though. Football's uh, football's going good. Six and zero, oh, six and zero. Oh. Back to first time. Um, Going six and zero back to back season since nineteen seventy six. Did you see that? Was that the? Yeah, it, it seems. I know Michigan has has had its you know ups and downs since Lloyd Carr, but I thought that was pretty wild to be honest. I did too. I did too. I because six and zero in all actuality isn't super impressive, but I will say this: historically speaking, if we're talking about Michigan on a historical point. We used to play Notre Dame in the first three weeks of the season for the longest time. So that would kind of fall into that category where maybe we didn't win, you know, every game in the first six. But I um, thought that was an interesting stat. And this is the third time under Jim Harbaugh that he has gone 6-0. 2016, where they went uh, down to Columbus and, and fell into double overtime. And then obviously last year, the 2021 campaign, we know how that one ended. And now this year. So... If you look at Harbaugh's teams, the ones that have gone six and zero, man, those are those are good teams. And I mean, this I I think this one's no different. Um, they win in Indiana, and at the end of the first quarter, I believe, or end of the first, it might not even have been the end of the first quarter, but during a commercial break, Mike Hart, um, a Michigan coach at the time, we didn't even know who it was when it first happened, but. Michigan coach had had collapsed on the sideline and it w- turns out to be Mike Hart. Turns out that he uh it sounds like he was having a seizure from from what the reports are and that's really sad and um I've known you long enough that I know Mike Hart falls in your top 5 favorite players of all time at Michigan. He does for me as well. And this is somebody who we both had the privilege of meeting this past year. Yeah. Um I think a lot of Michigan fans remember Mike Hart in, in the fondest of ways. And then when he comes back in his first season there, he leads Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum to a special, special season. And then obviously what we know about Blake now, Mike is so well respected and so well liked. And um, obviously for that to happen, it was, it was pretty sad and scary. And um, I listened to a little bit of Joel Klatt's podcast and, he saved Michigan to the end for this, this latest podcast. And he briefly talked about it. He just said it was just the most like terrifying thing. He didn't know what was happening. He just knew it was not good based off of how he could see 
everybody scattering around the sidelines. He just knew that something very wrong had happened. So um, obviously we know Mike's doing better, but what are your, uh, what's your reactions on that? I know you have some, I went a little long winded there. No, you're, you know, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Hart was without a doubt, probably other than him and Mario Manningham, they're probably my two biggest Wolverines of all time for me personally. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, growing up in high school, when you watch football, um, you're old enough to really understand, you start to understand the game more. So, like, you start to bond with people or you start bonding with athletes. Like, so, like, you know, our generation is like, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. That was like another one of mine, Charles Woodson even. Um, but Mike Hart made me really fall in love with Michigan football, uh, him, him and Mario, but more probably Mike Hart. Mike Hart was probably the, I think he was the first Michigan jersey I ever bought was a 20, number 20 away jersey, which. My 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 uh my fat rear end can't really fit into anymore, but I try. Um, but when the coach on the sidelines wasn't uh, revealed yet, and the camera, I was like, just like, what the hell's going on? Like, you just couldn't look away from the screen. And when I saw Mike Hart get put on the stretcher or on the on the cart, you're like, holy shit! Just what just happened? And the big thing for me that maybe I kind of like lessened my anxiety level was when I noticed that they didn't have him in a neck brace. And I seen that they tried to restrain his legs for a moment, but then when the car started driving away, he was just kind of like laying there and he was lifting his head up and you're like, Holy crap. Thank God. Like it wasn't like a player ran into him and like he hurt his leg or something like that. So, um, Definitely emotional, and you could tell that Blake Corm and, and uh, Donovan Edwards were feeling it there. They were they were a bit uh, teary eyed, and uh, you know Joel Platt I think said during the broadcast he's like that uh, your position coach is is kind of like uh, kind of like a father figure. I mean, just as much as a head coach, but more your position coach because you see your position coach kind of more often. I'm I'm assuming, um, so it was huge. And you know Mike Hart when he played it in uh, in Ann Arbor. Um, you know, there's times when he's been banged up or he missed a few games and we even, you know, watching the games back then when he was absent, the team felt off and it felt awkward when he wasn't toting the rock. And that kind of felt this way in this game too. As soon as he left the game, like there wasn't like a momentum shift to Indiana. There was just like this missing presence of just uncertainty. It was kind of weird. And that's just kind of how it kind of, uh, you know, kind of played out. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair point. Yeah, I think Michigan just felt like they had the wind knocked out of them for the remainder of that half. Yeah. And from the reports that I was reading, I don't remember where I read this, but it sounded like Mike Hart was able to get to the hospital. I'm sure he wanted updates on the game. And when he found out it was 10-10, he called the team at halftime and spoke to them over the phone. Hey, guys, I'm okay. We're going to need you to finish this one out, basically. And um, I see some people pointing this out. Like, dude, Mike Hart's the MVP of that game because that team, they were shook. <laughs> I mean, they, that was, I'll speak on this very briefly without making this all about um, seizures and stuff like that. But uh, I had never personally seen one happen until uh, a couple of years ago. My boss had one right in front of me. And he had he had told me he had these, but I'd never actually seen it happen. And then it happened literally right in front of me, in front of a group of people. And it took me by like storm. I was like, it just came out of nowhere and I didn't know how to react to it. 
Um, so I could just imagine how it would feel when you're literally on the sidelines of a football game. And this person, my cart has never had any prior seizures, at least that we know of publicly. Yeah. Um, I could imagine that would shake somebody up really, really tough. So uh, MVP, Mike Hart, for making the phone call and saying, hey, I'm good, guys. I'm going to need you to finish this one out. And they were stellar in the second half after being tied 10-10 at the half, um, outscoring them 21 nothing to finish off Indiana in a, uh, in a road environment. So hats off to the Michigan team. Um, obviously, we, you know, we barely talked any football as far as that went. but Michigan had a pretty balanced attack, ultimately. Um, JJ, I think he was he was 20, 28 of like 36 for over 300 yards. It was his first career 300-yard passing game, so you know, good on him. Uh, the team rushed for over 100 yards, and ultimately they find a way to get a W. I say find a way. They won 31 to 10. I mean, the game wasn't really that close, um, but ultimately they found a way. Yeah, the, yeah. Again, like obviously, like, like you alluded to, the the win was was taken out of their sails at the end of that half, and then when they came out in the third quarter, um, it pretty 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 much played some some stellar football. Um, the 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 play calling to me on the offensive side, like a lot of the uh, a lot of the quarterback uh, the, the court uh, the Excuse offensive me. coordinator, offensive coordinator, the, the, uh, the couch quarterback uh, mentality. Oh, yes. Fans were, oh, this is predictable play calling. And I see it a little bit that it seems like on first down, it was just like a guaranteed run. And then the second down was like a 70 30 run. So I can see a little bit of that. But, you know, they wanted to establish the run and as they leaned on it more and it got into the fourth quarter, Michigan started to open up a little bit between the tackles. Um, but yeah, 300 yards through the air for JJ. They, they started slinging a rock. Brian Bell had a big day. Um, so nothing to really complain about there other than maybe a few, 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 um, few stanzas, you know, last season, I, I wrote this down last season, Hassan Haskins against Indiana, you know, carried it 27 times for 168 yards. And he had a 62-yard run, right? So, without that carry, he's averaging four yards a touch. Without Blake's 50-yard scamper this past Saturday, he's averaging three yards a, a touch. So that what tells me is that Indiana is just committed to stopping the run, and we've talked about it all the time. Indiana, no matter what the where they're at program-wise, they're always going to play U of M tough. Uh, we said it so in the preview, and. You know, last year's win, I remember when that was over. I don't know if we mentioned this last week, but I remember when that game was over last year. Uh, a lot of Ohio State fans, a lot of Michigan fans were like, that's just not going to be enough to beat Ohio State, and look what happened, right? It's just, it's all about matchups. It's all, that's just what happens against Indiana. And, you know, again, after Lloyd Carr, this this series between these two has just been up and down and, and, and just the, the craziest of fashions, a lot of drama. So I'm not really dwelling on too much of this. Uh, nonsense here, but um, you know the Connor Basilak slung it 49 times and he only threw for 203 yards, seven sacks, four hurries. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I can't ask for more from the pass rush there at all. 
No, two things I, I want to comment on the pass rush in a minute. But before we go any farther, you had touched on something just a second ago, and I want to kind of circle back to it. Um, the predictable play calling, a lot of the fans, obviously the, the Monday morning quarterbacks are um, were too predictable. I do want to ask you a question, though, because it happened live on air, and I know a lot of people are pissed about it. Yeah. Joe, Joe Clatt basically calling out our plays um, as it happened. I'm sure you've seen it. I don't know if you were paying attention to it, but he called out our plays literally live on air and they ran the play. Um, people are obviously very upset. Not that Joe call Joe Clatt called the play because this is going to be the fourth straight week in uh, against Penn state this week when the game's on big noon. So he had done three in a row at that point. It's not that he called the play. It's that we were being so predictable that Clatt who had seen us three weeks in a way, literally knew what we were running. Um, Opinions on that? Do you have an issue with that? Is that something that just like comes with the territory of calling three games in a row? What do, I, what do you make of all that? Honestly, I think it's a little bit grayer because if he's called like what three or four mission games already, he that was the third in a row, and I think he called another one too. So, and this is going to be literally the fourth in a row now against Penn yeah. State. So, it, I think I think he's just familiar with it and. He is brought on to Colin Coward each week to literally talk Michigan football. Yeah. Um, to can make us comments on it because they love jib jabbing about it. So, I mean, I just think it goes with just he he's just studying studying the the the, the film inside and out because that's just what he's, he's that's what he does, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so the only the only thing that I guess I would say that really bothers me it was way late in the game anyway. They put Alex Orgy in, and it's like when Alex Orgy is in, I'm near the goal line. You already know it's a design run, and I think the dude has gotten no more than three yards of t- uh, a rush through the whole season. So, uh, you know, when he goes in there, you're already guaranteeing what – you're already showing what you're going to do. Other than that, I, I couldn't care less. I thought that – we're kind of just circling around here. I thought that was an interesting move to bring in Alex Orgy there. A, because it wasn't a blowout. Like three yeah. scores. It, at that point, it may have been three scores, or maybe they were about to punch in the third one. Yeah. But the game still, while it seemed out of reach, it was just a weird spot to put Alex Orgy in because he yeah. hasn't got any Big Ten play love at all yet. And in mm-hmm. that spot in a game that was, for a minute there, not put out of reach. It was just weird. Second thing is, Alex, in my opinion, is if you're going to use him, it's only because he's good in the short yardage. Like, mm-hmm. JJ's as effective as a runner, I think, at this point. Which mm-hmm. I don't even think that's arguable. So it's like, I understand maybe if Cade's in there, but with JJ in there, it's like, what, what are you doing? And obviously, it yeah. ended up being a short yardage plunge. And I don't even think he got the first down, did he? I don't think he did. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he did. I think he was stopped short. So I just remember thinking to myself, Jim, what are you doing? Like, this is weird. And it, obviously, we've we've questioned a few of Jim's quarterback calls over the last couple of years, but it just was a head scratcher for me. I'm like, it just it didn't make sense. It felt out of play, and the game wasn't out of reach. So it's like, why is Alex in there? But then again, yeah. with no Cade, maybe it's to get him a live rep. I don't really know, but. Um, anything more on the actual game of Indiana before we talk like dislike more of anything that you want to touch on? No, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. I just thought it was a good victory. Um, and everything that they endured coming out in the second half and, and putting the blank on them 21 zip. I was over the moon. I, I spoke last week 
about Iowa, I was like, you know, if we would have beat Iowa by a point, would I have been slightly disappointed or like, you know, concerned maybe, but I would have been happy just to come out of there with a win. After what transpired to come out of that half, beat them down and win. I was like, let's go, baby. This is a good win. Like I felt good about it. Um, the AP poll didn't, but fuck them. Uh, so liked, disliked more of, I'll start with, uh, with liked here. Um, the passing attack, I, I talked about it earlier with JJ stats, first 300 yard passing game. Um, Ronnie Bell, 11 catches for 121. Like you called it a monster game. That's a great game from Ronnie. I think those are career highs, if I'm not mistaken. It's at least a career high yard uh, catches. Luke Schoomaker <laughs> talked about it in the in the preview show that he was potentially going to have a good Indiana game, and he did. Seven catches. I'm sorry, nine catches for 67 yards in a tutty. Um, he had two last year against them, and I, I was texting you this. It is very apparent that JJ loves Luke Schoomaker. I mean, that is, I'm not praising Eric all for getting hurt. I'm not saying that's a good thing. It's, he seems way more comfortable having Luke as a tight end than Eric for whatever reason. Um, and then CJ, um, Cornelius Johnson there, four catches for 58 yards and two touchdowns as well. After a, what looked to be a crucial drop, he recovered and had a, a big day. So, that's pretty much what I like. Just the passing attack. I thought that was the best passing attack of the year under the circumstances. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I I, I wrote down JJ. Um, JJ wasn't sacked or 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 hurried at all in the stat column. So the yes. offensive line they they did great in pass pro. Um, and they 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 did they did decent in the run game. Whatever. I know Trente Jones went down, and uh, so even though he went down, hopefully he recovers. It looks like a, a pretty serious knee injury. Um. You know, Carson Barnhart filled in whatever, and so they he's essentially a starter. So they you know they have six starters, so they picked up uh, right where they left off. But so I thought the offensive line did well, uh, other than you know them you know st- trying to stymie the run, um, and then you know Blake Corum, you know making something, uh, making things happen when it looks grim. You know going to the left on that one play and literally having four guys on all sides of him, and he just dips right and he's gone. You know, Blake Horm is just just a machine. So, you know, kept JJ on his feet, uh, the passing game, and then uh, you know Blake Horm uh, making chicken salad. So, yep. Um, as far as disliked, I considered not putting one for this week because, like, it's just really hard to to nitpick a team that that went through what they went through. But um, I am gonna nitpick. 21 first downs allowed. Yeah. That's tough. And I, I've I've come to realize that if I had to pick one weakness of this team today, like you're like, Jeff, what's a glaring weakness? The third down defense, I think, I think has not been great. And I just feel like they've given up. Um, I know there's been obviously late touchdowns, you know, late in games, but there's been some third and longs that have been given up in certain situations. And I, and I, I don't have the statistic in front of me, so I don't know what they rank or whatever, but I just feel like the third down defense hasn't been great in 21 first downs for whatever reason that tells me it probably wasn't. So yeah, I think ultimately, um, Allowing a team to possess the ball and continuously get first downs on you is not a recipe to win games, but 
when you got, you know, they got more of them. So I guess I'll let this one go, but that was my dislike. Yeah. And for me, the, the dislikes, I, I got a couple serious ones and I got one that's just me being a, a jaded a-hole. Uh, the, the one thing I really didn't like was, was, uh, was it, um, who was it? Was it, was it Chris Jenkins? It, it was, it, or Mike Morris, it was, or no, Jalen Harrell with the, the celebration where he wiped. Okay. Yeah. Give me a break. Um, part, part of this, this, uh, bitch session I'm having right now is on both sides of the ball. These officials were just absolutely atrocious. And I like, Oh my God! If this was the Ohio State game, uh, we there the internet would would disintegrate. Like they they would not let these guys play, and they're just these ticky tack. And then you know, Platt even mentioned it in the first quarter. There was that makeup call on the, on the non PI PI or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was just it was it's just it was disgusting. Um, uh, not to cut you off, then, but I want to comment on what you just said. So ahead, I'm not a. It, it's very clear. I say this all the time. I'm not a ref thumper. You know, I, right. I don't really get I don't really get into that shit. But even I, you know, I posted on my Facebook says the Michigan Indiana refs were trying to make the game about them. Like it was so apparent. They were trying to be the stars of the show. Super annoying. Um, I'm a Patriot fan. I've watched every game this year. And Matthew Judon has had a sack in every single game this year. And he does basically it's called like the wipe the brow, where you're basically yeah. You know, it's it's kind of like a you know, like you're wiping the sweat off your face, whatever. That is what Jalen Harrell had been doing. It was not a slow th- uh, throat slash. To be honest, I don't even know how you assume that it was because that right. gesture is just so much different. Like it's like yeah. it's quick or or maybe it, or dramatic, but it was literally like a he had his head tilted back. He was you know, it was just the whole shenanigans. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me because that i believe that was a third down sack they were coming off that the was, field that was going to end that drive yes it was ending yep. the drive it was a big time sack and all of a sudden it's first down and uh, to be honest i think they probably scored on that i don't remember but um yeah i agree with you I, i'll let you keep going so i just want to chime in there you're fine and the second one is my second serious one is kind of like what you, what you just said about the the third downs i feel like even on first and second down, I feel like the coverage was really, was really soft. Now I'm not a film guru or whatever. So maybe, you know, the coaches obviously will have their reasoning behind it, but I felt like in the first couple drives, Indiana was just be, was able to dink and dunk on the screens all day. Uh, they kind of went away from that uh, later on in the game, trying to play, play, uh, play catch up or whatnot. But I just felt like the, you know, the corners was giving way too much room and, I feel like that that goes to the credit to a lot of first downs because, you know, second and five, third and two or whatever, it was almost like a given that they were gonna they were gonna pick up the first down with just a, a quick hitch or a quick screen. Um and then last uh my last uh one here, and this one's more of uh uh me being jaded. Fox Sports, uh their production crew needs to find some new theme songs because they are absolutely putrid the <laughs> when when anytime a, when someone misses a field goal or they have like a block punt or something they always play the song by citizen king i've seen better days and it's just so it's just <laughs> so like cliche and like just boring it, it's just so cringe it's like watching 
you know, politician dab on stage trying to be hip. You know, it, it's just, just stop. Anyway, that's me. That's me bitching. It was just terrible. I don't know that I've ever noticed that. So that is, yeah. that is too yeah. funny. When, uh, when Jake Moody's field goal, uh, when Jake uh, Moody's field goal was blocked and when Indiana, uh, when Mike Morris blocked Indiana's field goal, I think they played it after both when they went to commercial break. And they've done it before in games this year. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's, so, it's just so cringe. <laughs> um, only because I feel like we both kind of beat them up. I feel like it's important to note. This is actually because it was the biggest question mark heading into the season was the defense. Would you agree? Yeah. 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 Okay. So as far as their national ranks, their national ranks in points allowed, they're giving up 11.3. That's good for fifth in the nation. Okay. Which weirdly enough, um, the top, listen to the top five, number one in the nation, Illinois. Okay. Big 10, Minnesota two, big 10, number three, Iowa, big 10, number four, Georgia. And then it's Michigan. So weirdly enough, four of the top five are, are Big Ten teams. Um, yards allowed, Michigan fifth. Sacks, there are three teams that have more sacks than us in the country: USC at twenty-four, the Bearcats at twenty-three of Cincinnati, twenty-three for the Liberty Flames, and then Michigan with twenty-two. So the defense has been pretty good. And I realize we're beating them up here, but just wanted to shout them out for a quick second. No. In which. Another player I wanted I wanted to shout out as the more of. I have I have two here. Um, Rod Moore. Rod Moore has really come on, and I heard something that I thought I I would share on the pod here. So Rod Moore, one of the safeties of the team, been getting more and more playing time. He's basically a starting safety now. Uh, he had the interception this past week. So Harbaugh shared a really cool story about him. Um, coming into this season, um, when they had spring ball practice, basically each player is given like a tablet of like film and they can like, they can show film of the practice. They can show film of last year's games and stuff like that. And basically Harbaugh has a way of tracking it. Who's watching the most film. The second most guy. Okay. On the team had around 250 different maybe it was hours or whatever the heck it is over the course of all of, of spring practice yeah rod moore was number one on the team with over 500 hours <laughs> so more than the second guest and jim harbaugh said he's like 250 hours is exceptional he's like i was yeah. very happy to see these guys in the two rod is just he's another animal like he's just an absolute film junkie like we always hear about blake they talked about in the pre-show Blake Corum's a, a weight room junkie. Rod Moore wants to be the most prepared guy everywhere he goes. Meetings, the game, wherever. Um, wanted to shout him out. More of him. He's been fantastic. And also, one more time, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. The Blake Heisman campaign. Let's keep this puppy rolling. 735 <laughs> rush yards. That's good for third in the country. 11 TD is good for second in the country. So um, keep that Blake hype train rolling. Absolutely. Uh, my more of is um, kind of shout out. I'm out, shouted him out last week. Uh, Yabioki. Uh, yeah. You know, he got a new name in the last three weeks and here in the big 10, he's really come on. He's starting to get more playing time. You're starting to see 18 out there a lot more, uh, a couple sacks 
and or at least the second half, and I think a, a two tackles for a loss in the this game against Iowa or Indiana. In a dropped uh, so he, interception that he almost uh, had. Yeah. So he he's starting to wreak havoc there. And again, man, if this works out, if he continues to improve, it's literally a free NFL talent that we got literally or nothing. The NCAA season. Uh, and secondly, as Jesse Minter, uh, I think you and I both seen this on Twitter. Uh, I forget who posted it, but, um, you know, coming out of the second half, Indiana, zero points, five punts, one turnover, and 29 yards of offense. So Minter has shown, at least in Big Ten play so far, of the no very noticeable halftime adjustments. You know, I know Maryland got the garbage time points at the end of that game, but literally uh, just night and day difference. And um, so, yeah, kudos to Jesse Minter. Yeah. Um. Anything else at all on Indiana? I'm ready to talk some lines. All right. So Penn State, let me give you a season recap here. First off, they are 5-0. and Okay, they're not 6-0 and like Michigan because they just had a bye. So they're 5-0. and Week one, they were at Purdue. So they opened up their season on the Big Ten game. They won 35-31. So uh, people are high on Purdue this year. I believe this is Purdue's only loss. Am I right or wrong on that? Or do they have two losses now? Doesn't matter, we but to, I, I lost to Syracuse. Okay, so and Syracuse is undefeated. So Purdue has only yeah. lost to two undefeated teams. Okay, so Penn State then their next week their home opener they beat Ohio, not Ohio State, Ohio Bobcats, forty six to ten. Then week three, a true road game, Power Five opponent, they go to Auburn, okay, and they beat down. The Auburn Tigers. Now, mind you, Auburn's not very good this year, but still, when you go on the road to an SEC opponent and you beat them down 41 to 12, it's a big win. Uh, and then week four, home against Central Michigan, they they win big 33-14. And then uh, the week before their bye, they beat Northwestern 17 to 7. So we're definitely the best opponent they've played, but they're also the best opponent we've played. So we kind of we match up that way. Um this is a maze out. Uh, it's going to be Fox noon kickoff again, four straight week for us. Joe Clatt and Gus Johnson calling the game. Um, uh, you take it away. Yeah. So, you know, Penn State, yeah, obviously any win in SEC country is great. It's, it's admirable, right? So, again, yeah, you're right. This is the first big clash for both these schools this season. You know, Penn State is, is coming into this game in the conference ranks of two in rush defense and 10th in pass. Um, so in the preview, I had, I had noted that their front seven uh, have some question marks, but a lot of potential, which that's what they're showing here. And in the back end of the secondary, they got a lot of work to do. So uh, you figure that J.J. McCarthy, um, they might lean on him again this week to, to sling the rock, and I hope they do, and hopefully it works out for them. Um, you know, Penn State, uh They're they're not like uh, got a bunch of superstars, but Sean Clifford is back for like his twentieth season, and he's again I've commended him many times before being a dead horse here. I just the, the gamer quarterback, right? So he's gonna want to go out on a, on a good note against U of M. They, they've kind of had his number recent. Um, so uh, for all Michigan's uh, 
um, excuse me, for all of Michigan's uh, stinginess at, uh, at slowing down or, or having issues with stopping tight ends, you know, we go to last year in the Big Ten Championship game, and we go to Luke Lackey or Luke Lachey here against Iowa a couple weeks ago. Uh, they have uh, Brenton Strange, so I feel I feel like the the tight end here, Brent Brenton Strange, could have uh, uh, some highlight moments. We got to keep him quiet. And their running back situation going into the season, we thought uh, Kayvon Lee, who was who came back, was going to be the starter. They're actually rolling with a true freshman, uh, Nicholas Singleton, I believe is his name. And they kind of rotate in four guys, but they rely on Singleton uh, as as the top dog. Um, so. Um, They've ranked in uh, fifth and rushing and seventh and pass. So they've been able to move the ball on offense. Uh, I just think this is going to be a gritty game. Classic Michigan, you know, back and forth. I feel like it, it might feel like a little bit like how it did last year. You know, it took Michigan to hit Eric all on a, on, a, on a crossing route and get in the end zone at the very end to uh, get out of Happy Valley. So um, uh, tough rush defense. And we're boasting a, a, a stout rush offense. So, can we can we run the ball when we want to? And if we can't, can we soften them up with a pass? So, um, yeah, I think this is going to come down to possibly a field goal game here like it did last year, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't know if you, you had said this. I know you're throwing out some statistics. So Penn State's rush defense is actually the fifth best in the country. They're giving up less than 80 yards a game. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's what Michigan's very good at. But on the flip side, Michigan is literally seventh in the country. Um, we both get, so they give up 79.8. We give up 81.7. So identical rush defenses, very stingy for both teams, but that's both how both teams are going to try and probably attack each other. If I had to guess ball control, one another, um, control the line of scrimmage. Uh, that's definitely how the game is going to be won. Who's able to run the ball on the other and who doesn't turn it over. Um, I wanted to bring something up because I feel like it's gotten a ton of, uh, it's been a, a topic of conversation. I'm sure you've seen this. So this game was announced as a maze out. Okay. And Michigan has been giving subtle hints over the last couple of weeks that there's a potential that the Wolverines are going to wear the all maze jerseys or at least the top maze jersey. And there's a lot of fans that have a problem with this, not because they don't want them to wear maze, but because they think that they won't be able to, like JJ won't be able to see his receivers. Do you have an opinion on this? If Michigan were to don the all maze jerseys while the game is a maze out, complete silliness. Complete silliness. I, it, you watch the games like when the football field is sunken into the ground at, at Michigan Stadium. It's not like they're going to be like playing above you. Stop. It's just absolute silliness. Rock the maze jersey. Go all maze pants. Go all blue. I'd rather see the maze jersey and the blue pants, to be honest with you, to, Same. to balance it out. But, but Same. I mean, yeah, God. Uh, you, it, it's been a lot better since beating Ohio State and, and ending last year how it did. But sometimes the Michigan fan base, you go into a message board and you'll find yourself wanting to punch air. It is so irritating. <laughs> Yeah, to be honest, I'm not, I honestly don't know why I follow some of these groups. They're they're pretty toxic. Um, opinions on the maze jerseys? I think you slightly gave you you almost hope that they wear the maze jersey with the blue pants. Absolutely, that was the last Michigan jersey I bought was after that the Florida game in Jerry World, and yeah, I rocked them. 
I rock that more times than not. Um, but yeah, I, I dig it. And you know, but put on the record, I you know, for everyone else to hear, you've heard it a million times. I wish Michigan would stick with the flat blue and put the yellow, the the yellow. Geez, I crucify me after that one. The maize wings. I'd rather have that like a chrome feel for a night game. And you know, I know some some of the the old guard Michigan fans will will you know will be at my front door with the pitchfork and, and torch, you know, coming to axe murder me. But I think that would look sweet too. <clears throat> no, I, I've always been the one, and I've I've argued with a lot of people over this. Um, don't touch the helmet. But in the the game that comes to mind would be the I believe it was the Outback Bowl when they played um, South Carolina, the Javon Clowney game, JVN yeah. Clowney game. They wore a flat mat blue in that game. Remember, mm. it didn't have that shine to it. It was kind of like yeah. a flat helmet. Yeah. I would totally be down with an all chrome. Give me the chrome domes. Those keep the wing. Don't ever take the wing helmet away because, like that, it, it literally is a named helmet. Like you can't. Yeah. Like don't ever throw just a block M on the side. I wouldn't be down for that. But I'd always be down for. You want to throw a chrome helmet up there or something? I'd be. I'd be all for it. So as long as their tradition is kind of. Don't reverse the helmet. Don't don't be making any crazy adjustments. But if you want to change the finish all day, yeah. you want to go flat, you want to go shiny, you want to go chrome. I'm all for that. But as far as the jersey combinations, my hope, maze up top, blue down low. Um, but at the same time, I'd also be cool with the all maze jerseys for for this feel. Um, this is this is fuck Michigan State. This is our our top opponent this year. I mean, as far yeah. as home games, home games. Right? I'm not talking about Ohio State right now. Home yeah. games, this is the top one. You know, last year they had two really big home games, Washington and Ohio State. This year the two big ones are Penn State and um, Michigan State. But Michigan State, in my opinion, they're not they're not in that league. So oh, um, go, yeah. go all out. Sorry, real, real quick. With the whole – he's not going to be able to see the, the, the wide receivers when he passes the ball. So – you mean to tell me when it was ketchup versus mustard at Chrysler and Ohio State was wearing all red, Michigan was wearing all maize jerseys, numbers, socks, that Trey Burke couldn't pass the ball to Tim Hardaway because he was the same color as the student section? Get, get, get lost. I was at that game. It's my, it's my favorite sporting event I've ever been to. Yeah, Jeff, were you able to even see the players on there? Because you guys were <laughs> the it, it, The whole thing is – Legitimately, if you look at Michigan Stadium on a traditional Saturday, 90% of it is blue. Yeah. What jerseys do they wear? Blue. <laughs> like, what? It, the whole thing is hilarious to me. But I don't know. There are people that legitimately have have issues with this, though. And I promise you, if they wear these maze jerseys and yeah. JJ throws a pick, they will come unglued. I promise you, oh, yeah. the Michigan fans will come unglued. Well, and and, and 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 also real fast this weekend, it's going to be fifty-two degrees. Yeah, I don't think outside the student section there's going to be much maze, anyways, because I know a lot of people. This is this comment is I didn't create this theory or this idea, but a lot of people, like even me as us as diehard Michigan fans, all my hoodies are practically blue, and all, and all my shirts are practically blue, outside of a few uh, maze ones, but. 
I think because of the temperature, I think a lot of people are going to be wearing whatever they feel comfortable with if you're not a student. So I really don't think that the May, I don't, I just don't think the maze out is going to, is going to be executed if you're not a student very well. Well, it's fun. I 100% agree with you. Do you remember the two games that were maze outs last year? Washington, which was week two, it was 75, 80 degrees. And yeah. the other one, Ohio State. There wasn't a lick of maize in that place because nobody yeah. owns a maize coat. Like yeah. you just don't. Nobody's walking around with a maize Michigan coat. It's either blue yeah. or you're wearing your traditional coat, your blacks, your grays, your browns that normal people own. Like you're yeah. not walking around with this bright maize Michigan coat. Nobody owns that. Matter of fact, I've never seen one. So it's just <laughs> the, the, the idea that you're going to be able to throw up a maize out in cold climates is kind of silly. And I would only cause you brought this up. I'm going to go into this. Somebody actually said on Twitter, they're like, is this whole maze out thing even effective if it's not warm out making that case? Mm-hmm. And I simply said, I said, last time they did the maze out was against Ohio state. Nobody in the stadium was wearing maze. Nobody. Matter of fact, look at the photo, the iconic photo of everybody rushing the field. Show me a single ounce of maize on that photo. It's all blue, blue and a little bit of red. Okay. It's all blue. And the thing is, is like the way they did the maize out is they handed out those pom-poms. If that's Mm -hmm. the way you want to produce a maize out, it is what it is. But I agree with you. You're not going to have to worry about the maize in the fans because truthfully, it's too cold. (laughs) People are going to be wearing coats. So we've talked a lot about jerseys. Got a couple over-unders. You ready? Let's do it. Blake Corum, 99 and a half over-under rushing yards. He's been good for over 100 lately. Uh, I'm going to go I'm gonna go over just because he, he he's almost, you know, they're just giving him 30 touches, man. I think it's just because he'll, he'll have, I think he'll have one big run like he did against Indiana score not score and then they'll have you know you know five yards here three yards here eight yards here just because i'm giving respect to penn state but i say i say he creeps over to that to that 110 115 range yeah and you know donovan's been getting the carries but it it hasn't affected blake's carries so i do think blake sees at least 25 in this game he's good for five yards a clip give me a hundy i'll go over uh, he's been a touchdown machine. Blake Corum touchdowns one and a half over under. Um, I'm gonna go under. I think he. I think he gets. A, I think he gets one for sure. And I think uh, they 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 work around somewhere else. Maybe uh, Donovan Edwards comes in and, and vultures it. Um, I I don't think this is gonna be a high scoring affair. So I don't think there's gonna be touchdowns getting passed around like Oprah's book club, right? So um, I'll, I'll take the under. <clears throat> oh, my gosh. <laughs> like Oprah's book club. <laughs> um, I'm going to go the over only because I do see this game as being low scoring, but I think that Blake is just the guy they trust in these situations where you get down to the goal line, you need to punch it in. Um Man, I you know, I could totally see a 21-17 game here. 
with yeah. Blake getting two or even three all the touchdowns. I mean, I just plus I do believe you know Harbaugh actually finally mentioned it, um, in his uh, inside Michigan football his interview, he actually said the word Heisman campaign. So um, he's well aware. I think he does want to get Blake that rock. And, and first off, Blake has been respectful with it. He hasn't fumbled. Knock on wood. I don't know if you heard that, but um, yeah, I think he gets over, over one and a half. I'll get, I, I like the two mark there. JJ McCarthy passing yards, 205 and a half over under. 205 and a half. Uh, I think, I think he's going to get more than that because of, uh, you know, Penn state's, uh, you know, ranked 10th in the conference pass defense. You know, and at Purdue, I think uh, put a hurt into him in the secondary. And I know that game was a while ago. I know it was week one or week zero when I think that happened. But um, uh, I, I think that uh, the the aerial salt continues, at least in terms of yards. Yeah, I'm going to take the over here, too, simply just because I, I think two, 205, first off, is doable for him. In a competitive game, I think that's doable for him. But also, I think we're gonna we're gonna have to lean on him because this is gonna be where I could see this being low scoring. I don't think we're gonna struggle to move the ball. I don't think it's I just, just gonna be like, yeah, yeah. And I, I could see him getting, I could see a big play, and a, a big play could be a fourth of this. So, give me the over here. Uh, JJ, one point five touchdown passes over under. I'll take I'll take over. I'll take over. I think he gets a couple. I think I think a couple's doable. Okay. I'm taking the under simply for what I said about Blake. Just in, in these in these short yardage plays, Blake seems to be the guy. And unless JJ goes over the top, I don't see more than more than one in this game. But I obviously would love to see him throw three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> I mean, however many he needs, but yeah. Um I could see a lot of Blake in this game and I'll take the under there. Uh, last but not least, Michigan's favored by seven. They covering under over. I said earlier that it's it's probably gonna be a field goal game, but because I like the odds and what my potential payout is on DraftKings, I took the spread. I took plus seven or minus seven, excuse me. So uh, I have them covering absolutely. I just have a feeling that this could be this could be a game that's kind of eye-opening for some people because obviously Michigan has they haven't had the hardest schedule, but they've been able to move the ball on everybody, including Iowa, who was the number one defense in the country when they played them. And I don't think they're going to have a ton of trouble moving the ball. It might be tight scoring and stuff like that. But this crowd's going to be rowdy. I feel it. They've been rowdy the last two times for Mays out, so I'm hoping three in a row here. Mm -hmm. um, they were super rowdy for that Washington game and, of course, the Ohio State game. I don't even need to talk on that one. People know about that. But um, I'm hoping this one is uh, is rowdy as well. And that plays into at least three to seven points for us, in my opinion. So give me give me a cover. And if they don't, I think that we at least push here. So um, I, I got Michigan by at least seven. 
So push okay. or or cover. I agree. Okay. Um, anything else on Penn State before we hit the mailbag? Yes, I uh, I have an over under. I just came up with as we were going through these. Um, so for you, Jake Moody, Jake Moody, go. over under. How many? Over under two field goals. Mm, love it. Over under two. Give me two. Give me a. Give me just two. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I just I figured we got to give Money Moody some love. On our oh, own. absolutely. I, I we need to start including Jake. I agree. <laughs> we need to. Um, anything else, or are you ready for mailbag? Let's do mailbag, dog. Okay. First question comes in from Jamie. If you listen to the pod weekly, you know who Jamie is by now. Who is the better team, Clemson or Michigan? I'm asking because Clemson moved past Michigan. So uh, I'll, I'll start off here. Two things. A, the AP poll, fuck them. Second thing, Clemson goes on the road to Boston College and beats a 2-4 and four team. Has no coach collapse on the sideline, to my knowledge. Michigan goes on the road, beats a 3-3 three and three team, has a coach literally collapse on the sideline and wins 31 to 10. Boston College win, or uh, Clemson wins 31 to 3. So we gave up an extra seven points in, on the road to a better team, and you're going to drop us? Fuck them. Second thing is the one thing to answer his question is Clemson better than Michigan? I think Clemson matches up very well with Michigan because Clemson's probably the best run defense in the entire country. Um, a matter of fact, they are second only behind James Madison. And let's be honest, who's better at run defense, Clemson or James Madison. Okay. Yeah. Fair point. Right. So Clemson's probably at the best run defense in the country. And if you're going to stop Michigan, you got to stop them from running the rock. They match up great. But as of today, Clemson has beaten better teams than Michigan has. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay. So I'm okay with where they're at. And I think, think Clemson it's just a bad matchup for Michigan I would probably take Clemson yeah you know you're right Clemson has has been uh, Wake Forest on the road that was 51-45 so defense was non-existent there correct they go they beat NC State and by 10 but that was two weeks prior to this so they're punishing Michigan for how Indiana played out, and they're giving credit to the 31-3 win at Boston College. Boston College lost to Rutgers week one. So in terms of just this past week of them jumping them, doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. If they I jump agree. them, if they jump them anywhere after the Wake Forest or NC State game, you could probably make an argument because Michigan, you know, played I think Maryland and Iowa at the time, but. I think the Iowa game is very respectable. I don't care what their ranking is. I don't care what their uh, record and wins-loss is. That's a solid win either way, just like Penn State going to Auburn is. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Clemson could possibly, you know, beat Michigan by five or three or whatever, maybe even seven. But uh, in, in terms of this past week, yeah, it was kind of kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, just 
not that this was part of the question, but you just touched on something, and I 100% agree. If you can't see the value in going to a good Power 5 school on the road in winning, I can't help you. Like, I understand Auburn's 3-3, three and three, but if you have to go to Auburn and beat them, that's a good win. Like Penn State going to Auburn, that's a good win. Michigan going to Iowa and beating Iowa, that is a good win. Like I don't know how else to like chalk that up for you. Like if you don't get that, you you know you're not going to understand. I I get it, but um, some people just love to like, wow, they're not that good. You know, obviously, you you know if you listen to the pod and you're an OG, you hear us talk about our buddy Shane here and there. Um, (laughs) Our buddy Shane, very pessimistic Michigan fan. Michigan beat Wisconsin last year. Now, Wisconsin had lost like three in a row before Michigan beat them. All the three teams they lost to were very good. I think it was literally Michigan, Ohio State, and maybe Michigan State who had beat them. And Wisconsin literally ran the table after Michigan beat them. That was a good win. I don't care how you chalk it up. Michigan going to Wisconsin last year and beating Wisconsin was a good win. And there were people that were like, oh, the sky's falling. It's like Wisconsin's trash. That was not a good win. It's like... I. Again, I, I don't see how you see that, but okay, it is what it is. Um, this is a two-parter because two people asked this question, so I'm going to kind of combine it. Jamie starts off. He says, if a two-loss Texas runs the table, can they make the playoff knowing that a two-loss team never has? But then, so keep that in mind as I read this next part. This is Brad. Everybody knows Brad. He says, Texas is ranked 22nd. Two losses are to Texas Tech by three with a backup quarterback and a one loss to Bama with an injured starting quarterback that went to a backup. Their schedule is as follows. First, Iowa State at home at number eight, Oklahoma State, who's undefeated by week at number 17, Kansas State home against undefeated TCU at currently ranked number 19, Kansas home against Baylor, and then there is no Big 12 championship, correct? They still have not gotten one of those? Um, I don't believe they have a Big 12 championship. Am I wrong? I thought they I thought they did. Um, did they? I don't know. I can't. I, I mean, pe- people right now are listening. They're like, yeah, or no, you idiots. I, uh, yeah. I, I can't remember if they do or not. Okay. Regardless of whether they do or not. So is this, it looks like they do have a big 12 championship. Okay. I just answered that. Um, so they're going to have to play another team. If they win out, where's Texas? I think they can make it very, I think they can make it very interesting. I, I can see them being in Notre Dame shoes last year, being one of the first out. Um, I I I think that holds I think that holds as long as Oklahoma State, Kansas State, TCU and Kansas remain relevant. If they fall off out of the rankings or if uh they don't look as uh as um stout on on the resume, yeah, it, it all depends on how their uh, their schedule looks at the end of the season, but um yeah, I mean they could definitely uh, cause some drama. They just have to go out there and, and take care of their business. And, you know, there's a lot of good teams this year. So, you know, to to bump a one loss or an undefeated team would be very hard to do. Uh, so if they go out there and they, they, 
they put up a good performance against a ranked team, especially what's, what is it, uh, when they have to go on the road back-to-back to Oklahoma State, Kansas State, they can come away with convincing victories in both those games. You know, you, you have to peel your eyelids, and this team looks a lot better with Quinn Ewers. Yeah, so first off, I'm going to speak here, and every single thing I speak in is in what-ifs. Okay, so just know I'm not making predictions. I'm speaking solely if this happened. Okay, only because there's two people that ask the question. So enough people obviously need to enough people care. Georgia would have to lose to Alabama, giving them one loss. Okay, Alabama would need to stay undefeated. Ohio State, Michigan, one of them will win. One of them will lose. They need one of them needs to be almost eliminated from this conversation. Okay, maybe it's a blowout, maybe it's another road win uh, or a road loss. Somehow, some way, Michigan or Ohio State needs to be eliminated from the conversation. Clemson. Okay, so you basically have Alabama guaranteed in, and then either Michigan or Mich or Ohio State in. So that's two of the four. Okay, Clemson. I. Don't see where they will lose again because they've already played the bolster, the bull, like the, the top tier of their competition. They do still have Notre Dame. At this point, I don't see that being a loss. So I think Clemson's almost guaranteed to be in. But again, Ooh. that's only if they run the table. That leaves us now to number six, Tennessee. Tennessee has to lose to Bama this weekend. Get them out of the question. Okay. And that, you know, obviously I have Bama staying undefeated in this one of scenario. Then you have USC. USC, I think, has to lose at least once. At least once. Okay. So whether whoever that is. Number eight, Oklahoma State. Well, we just said Texas has to win out. So that means they're beating Oklahoma State. Okay. Old Miss would have to lose to Alabama as well. Okay. So that keeps Alabama undefeated. That gives Ole Miss a loss. Penn State loses to Michigan or loses to Ohio State or both. Or Okay, that eliminates them. UCLA has to have another loss. So whether that's UC, USC or UCLA playing each other, the problem is, is at this point in the season, there's so many undefeated still. I don't know if you mm. noticed this. There's a shit ton of undefeated teams. So obviously that's a big problem. One of those teams need to lose. Oregon, in my opinion, there's almost nothing they can do to get back in. Um, even if they won the Pac-12, if they if we went out, I still don't think they're in. They got beat down so badly by Georgia, and they're just they're, the level of competition's not that high. Obviously, there's UCLA and there's um, USC. They have to play TCU. Well, they would have they would have lost to Texas, so that makes sense. So you get what I'm saying here. Every team above them would essentially have to lose. And that would completely open the door for Texas, who at that point, you would sit there and say, their one loss is to Texas in a close game with a backup. And their other loss was on the road against a ranked opponent at the time with a backup. Yeah. Then you could start talking about getting back in there. But you're almost, you're, you're basically saying, I need so much chaos to happen. Yeah, it's just it's not that it's unrealistic, but right now, as it stands, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, 
14 undefeateds. 14 teams are still undefeated. They don't have a loss. So James Madison creeping in there. James Madison, number 25, the best run defense in the country. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of really good teams. I do say this, and I, I said this after they lost to Bama. Texas needed to be ranked with a loss. That's how good they looked. And then they lose to Texas Tech, which, to be honest, that's predictable. You had a backup yeah. quarterback. He hasn't been taking the reps that Quinn has. And when Quinn plays, they've been great. Now, I will say this. Don't fall into this trap just because they beat Oklahoma. Everybody's beat Oklahoma like a drum this season. Like, is that fair? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I went long-winded there. No, you're good. Obviously, obviously it's early. Do you have any agreements, disagreements? Te- Texas needs chaos. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Like I said, they could they could be Notre Dame last year. I think they could creep up into that top eight, possibly, you know. Uh, and, again, a lot of these teams that are still undefeated will be playing each other or playing other tough uh, conference foes. Like you said, Tennessee, they're going to be facing off against the Crimson Tide. Uh, Georgia is going to be on a collision course with Crimson Tide. You know, uh, Clemson, they have um, they have a couple – uh, strong and that, like really, they got out of their ranked opponents so far. I think they got one more coming up here, but you know, they have they just got to do their business and they have a good shot. And then obviously, USC is six and oh, they haven't looked completely impressive, that's why they fell back one, one spot in the rankings. Uh, but they're still undefeated. Um, and obviously, Penn State being at 10, Michigan's at five or four, whatever poll you're looking at. And so, again, that you'll you'll see Penn State catapult up. If they beat Michigan, or well, Michigan probably will then will grab that spot again in the in the AP if uh, they beat Penn State. So yeah, again, uh, this is the part where everything is starting to get come, you know, getting getting interesting. <clears throat> yeah, and they wouldn't be the first team ever to win the national championship with two losses in college football. Um, 2007 LSU did it, but obviously that was before the college football playoff even. So. It's possible. You just you need a lot of teams to lose. You need more parity, essentially. And right now, I mean, what I say, there's 14 undefeateds. Yeah, that ain't a lot of parity. That's a lot of top heavy. So now a lot of those teams are going to beat each other up by default because they still have to play each other. But yeah. it's gonna it's gonna make for a fun finish. But I just Texas 100% has to win out, or they're not even in the conversation. One loss takes them out. They 100% have to win out, and then they need a lot of teams beating up on each other. Absolutely, and, and shout out to uh, Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins. You know, week one, they had 14 people in the stands, and now look at them, you know, start from the Doesn't bottom. Doesn't matter. Now they're 11th in the polls. Like, they come out of nowhere, so, and they took down my, my Huskies a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, UCLA's there, too, making some noise. So, yeah, it's, uh, that's, the, that's the fun thing about college football. Yeah. Um, I'm going to wait till next week to ask this question. I have a question that I was going to ask, but, um, I want to wait another week. No problem. See, see what happens with this Michigan Penn state game. So we were going to talk about this last week. Technical difficulties cut us short. Um, this one's going great. So let's just hit it. Wisconsin. They fired their coach. Um, kind of came out of nowhere. Nebraska already fired their coach. Before we talk about potential candidates, Wisconsin. 
what what do you think of Paul Chris being let go midseason? Kind of kind of frustrating, kind of shocking there. Um, the midseason firing was really the, the the biggest question mark. But give me your opinions there. Well, yeah, it, yeah, Paul Christ came in and really just continued on the, the Wisconsin Badger tradition of stout offensive line, duo of running backs, and going to put up Barry Sanders type rushing numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and so Wisconsin being in the West, you know, Paul Christ record's good. He's made some noise in the conference uh, uh, West, you know, being the division winner. Yeah, he went in some uh, bowl games, some pretty good ones. <clears throat> but just like, like they've been comparing him to Bull Pelini, just like Bo Pelini, Lloyd Carr, fans start to get frustrated when you can't break through the barrier, right? So just like with Jim Harbaugh up until last year, you know, myself included, a lot of Michigan fans were fed up. They were fed up with him after 2018 because, you know, whether you think it was fair or not to judge him on uh, taking over a bottom feeder uh, basement dwelling program in 2014 or after the 2014 season, like you just, you want them to get over that hump. And so it's time to move on, right? You know, Jim Leonard or whatever, alma mater, he's the interim head coach. Wisconsin's a, is a phenomenal place to, you know, phenomenal uh, gig, right? But, you know, it was just time for him to go, man. Like, there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You know, you just couldn't get to the mountaintop. You're in one, the weakest division in the Big Ten Conference. You know, more is expected. You should be appearing more there. And after really the Legends leaders division names got put to the wayside and we went east-west, you know, hasn't made much noise. And in, in the last few years, he's kind of had some disappointing seasons. Yeah, you know, the, the two things you can pretty much count on with Wisconsin is they were going to have a great offensive line, a great running back, but that's really it. It kind of fell short after that. And um, the point that you made about Harbaugh, you know, everybody wanted to compare Harbaugh and Bo Pelini and, and Paul Chris. Their, their three um, records were identical. They were literally identical. And uh, the one thing I, I wanted to say is like, well, Bo Pelini and Paul Chris both played in the Big Ten West. Harbaugh's record in the Big Ten West was like 17 and six or 17 to five or somewhere along there. He has a very good record. Um, and a couple of those losses are to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. but basically destroying everybody else, basically saying like, if, if Harbaugh is coaching in the Big Ten West, he would probably have an elite, elite record. Um, second thing is, is, and I've said this for a long time, Harbaugh was trending up. In my opinion, if you take out the COVID year, he had one down year, and it was really with a quarterback carousel. The rest of those years, he was very competitive, and he was showing promise. And there was, the, you know, the 2016 team, um, obviously was as good as any team he's ever had. And, you know, Urban Meyer was, was quoted after that game saying that was the best defense he had ever coached against. So to, to say that Harbaugh was like this failed experiment, I just feel like that became a popular take with the evidence being, well, he can't beat Ohio state. Yeah. Neither can anybody else. 
Like that was that was yeah. always my thing. Like if you're only grading him on beating Ohio State, you're falling short. Like it, it would almost be like, you know, and I hate to go NFL here, but if you're grading yourselves in the 2000s to losing to the Patriots, okay, well, everybody needs to fire their coach then because everybody loses to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Like you, you almost have to grade around the curve. And that's mm-hmm. how I've kind of graded Michigan. And I've, I've been very vocal about that, that I thought more people needed to. And I totally understand that at some point you have to shit or get off the pot, you know, but right. you had, I, I was grading around the curve with hardball. Like, <laughs> Ohio State is on a completely other level. And I understand wanting to be on that level, but we're just not. Yep. And I, you made some really great points with it. Um, Urban Meyer won a national championship in 2014. Michigan fired their head coach in 2014. Yep. Harb- Harbaugh took over that program when Ohio State was at their height and Michigan was at a low. So it's just like, it, it needed time. Should there have been wins in there? Probably. Was he competitive in in most? No, he was actually uncompetitive in most. But um, I don't know how this became a hardball conversation. But Paul Chris basically probably unfairly was fired. But at the same time, I think they were looking for a reason. They like Jim Leonard. They're ready to go. Uh, yep. Nebraska, though. Matt Rule? Is he, a, is, he a, is he a fit? What's your opinion there? Yeah, like we were talking beforehand uh, before we went live. Absolutely. I That was honestly – Nebraska – I even tweeted – uh, I'm not saying like I got like a thousand followers, but I tweeted out instantly I saw the report that he was fired. I thought black shirts. I thought Nebraska in a heartbeat. Um, you know, he formerly at Baylor, you know, he's not going to be in the Big 12, but he's going to be in Big 12 country. Uh, he's got obviously ties in the recruiting trail. I think it, I think it would be – uh, a no-brainer for me, if and I wouldn't be surprised if he if he becomes the head coach at, at Nebraska. Uh, but obviously, we'll have to to see how it all pans out. But yeah, I, that was first thing I thought of. Um, anything else before we close with a couple of game predictions? Uh, I'm all good, bud. Uh, I just just a, lot, a couple of games that we kind of. Uh, breezed by earlier when we were going through the rankings, you know, Vols, Crimson Tide, Utah, USC, and, um, and hopefully Michigan State gets uh, throttled again. But, you know, it, it's it's going to be another Krispy Kreme-filled uh, Saturday. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on those games right now. Just give me uh, a quick game prediction of who you think wins. So I'm only giving you ranked matchups, and there's plenty of them. You ready? Oh, yep. Number three, Alabama. Are they seriously number three? Yeah, wow. Least. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize that. Wow. Number three, Alabama at number six, Tennessee. That's where college game day is going to be at. That's the big one. That's the reason why Michigan and Penn State aren't at with game day this week. Where are you going? Tennessee's looked real good. I'm going to go with the volunteers. They they got the momentum on their side. And yeah, man, I give me give Penn and Hooker. Heisman campaign is, is going strong. Give me the balls. So I agree if Bryce Young does not play. And I, I, at this point, I don't know if he's not playing because um, he's that hurt or if they kept him out this past week to kind of have him one more week because they thought they could beat A&M, but they struggled to beat A&M. So it's like, 
Man, um, Alabama is favored by seven and a half. Pound Tennessee plus seven and a half. I think that is a, a fantastic bet. But give me Tennessee outright. I agree. This home field environment, college game day, this is the biggest game in Tennessee in 20 years probably. Um, yeah, give me Tennessee as well. Quarterback play has been really good there. Number eight, Oklahoma State traveling to TCU. Both teams are undefeated. TCU's 13th, so this is a top 15 matchup again. Who you got? I, I gotta be honest, I haven't really watched a lot of uh, Big 12 football this year, but um, I'm, I'm kind of digging. I'm kind of digging Oklahoma State. Um, I like I like their uniforms, I like their helmets. I'll be like that. I'll be like that rapper guest picker on college game <laughs> that, that'll, that'll somebody because of their aunt went there like 10 years ago. Uh, so uh, I'll, take, uh, I'll take the Cowboys. Yeah, I think. I think just because it's the Big 12 and this shit happens all the time, I'm going to take the home team. They are favored by four. Um, Give me TCU at home in an upset, but both teams are undefeated. It's not a massive upset, but give me TCU. Um, Number 15, NC State traveling to Syracuse to play the 5-0 Qs. Syracuse favored three and a half. Who you got, NC State or Syracuse here? This is a top Uh, 20 matchup. I did. I did watch. I did watch a, a Syracuse game earlier this year because I think it was like on a Wednesday night or something. Uh, and I think they it was played when Purdue they played, or something. No, nah, they played like UConn. I think it was a, one of the first three games. It was UConn or Louisville. Mm. Um, I think it was Louisville. So it was the first week. Give me, give me, uh, give me Syracuse. Give me the Orange. I'll take the Orange here. They, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll go that. Yeah, give me give me the third straight home team. I think home field is going to be massive in these top twenty five matchups. Um, Syracuse favorite in this one too, and I think that's uh, I think they need to be. So yeah, give me Syracuse. I'm looking I'm looking at ESPN schedules right now. Whatever they give you all the matchups, right? You can literally yeah. go to this thirty three bucks, dude. If I'm in Syracuse, I'm going. Yeah, why would you not go? Yeah, <laughs> why, why would you not go? Um, number 16, Mississippi state five and one on the year traveling to Kentucky. They're four and two. They dropped two in a row. Um, they were literally number seven in the country, Mississippi state favored by six and a half on the road. Who you got Mississippi state or Kentucky? Oh boy. Yeah. Kentucky's really, uh, they were, they were taught, excuse me. They were talking them up in college game day a few weeks ago and, uh, they've obviously slid back. Mississippi state's favored six and a half. Yeah. Uh, Get a, Kentucky's at home. Let's get a get right game. Uh, I'll take the Wildcats for the hell of it. I agree. I'm going my fifth straight, um, or is it fourth straight? It's either my fourth or fifth straight home team. Give me Kentucky in a bounce back game at home. They need this one. Obviously, they're still competing for maybe an SEC title appearance, I think, right? Wouldn't they be? Or is that? It could be. I don't know. Regardless, give me Kentucky here. Um, they need this one. Last but not least, undefeated USC, seventh in the country, traveling to number 20, Utah. Utah favored three and a half. Undefeated USC traveling to Utah. Who you got? Mm. USC was, had – well, go ahead. Basically, everybody that I've heard talk about USC, they said all year, the game that USC's got circled is Utah. 
I mean, I mean, I definitely would because that's this is the best opponent they played so far. Washington State has been has been shown to be uh, a sort of a trap opponent for some. Yeah. Uh, and again, yeah, USC has been flying through the schedule so far against dog shit. So uh, I'll I'll take I'll take Utah and the home field advantage here. Uh, I'll take Utes. All right. Can't all the home teams win? Give me USC to stay undefeated. I just really like what they're doing offensively. Um, Caleb Williams has been great. Allison's been great. Um, I think it stays that way. Close game. Hostile environment. But give me USC on the road. Um, anything else? No, buddy. That, that, that's about it. it uh, we, got, we got a big week coming up here. And Hopefully, you. you know, I, you know, I don't consider Penn state like, uh, I mean, maybe I should, I don't really consider like Penn state, like, um, a game I'm like super eager to watch because maybe it's going to say like on rival terms, but I, I like beating them because more Jim Harbaugh beats James Franklin, the less James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh are compared to each other. And we fight over a lot of the same recruits. So it's, so it, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, implications in this game mm-hmm. um, or for not to be one that I really, you know, wait for, but uh, very, very uh, intriguing. Yeah. A couple things here as far as Penn state goes. So they're not a top three rival for us. That's Ohio state, Michigan state, and yeah. probably Notre Dame. Yeah. But they're probably, tied for fourth with maybe Wisconsin. They're right. They're right there. Um, the thing is, is like, uh, I guess maybe Minnesota would probably find themselves fourth and then maybe Penn state, but um, this is a game you got to have. Uh, if you have national title hopes, um, that game in Columbus is at best 50, 50. So you, you can't lose here if you potentially still want to make the college football playoffs, even with a loss. So um, you got to have this one. But I will say this only because it happened last year, and I feel like this team's getting compared to you know last year's team a lot. If Michigan loses this game, I, I don't think you can just immediately think the, the ship is sunk. Right. Um, because they can still run the table and still beat Ohio state on the road. And you know, you would pray at that point that somebody else would beat Penn state. But I think, I think Michigan has the team that's going to control this game. And I think they're going to win. You know, we both have them covering the spread. So um, yeah, nothing else really to add there, but I think we're going to find out a lot about how good Michigan is after this week because this is obviously by far the best opponent they've played. And uh, I think they're going to show up. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, uh, one, one thing before we before we sign off, whatever. But, yeah, we're talking about the, the rivals like Minnesota, Michigan, right? And it, it's, you know, you look at you look at uh, uh, the all-time series lead. Michigan's dominated this 76 to 25. And, you know, from 1987 to 2004, they didn't lose once in Minnesota, but in 2005 and 14, they did. I really wish that Minnesota-Michigan would play more often because at least uh, in the last few meetings, there's been a lot of uh, nail biters towards the end, so to speak. Yeah. Even 
Washington's been on the winning end more than not. And I know that a lot of this has to do with the conference realignment. And I know, you know, 2014, like I said, they lost, but 2015, that was, that, that literally came down to piss poor clock management by Minnesota's head coach. And that, that, that had you on the edge of your seat. But yeah, I, we just wanted to, to comment on that. I just wish that we, we played the Gophers more often. We got the little brown jug for a reason. Yeah. 2015 was the goal line stand with Rudock, right? Yeah. yeah that's at Mitch Leidner and. Yes. Had, You're the piss one. poor clock manager. It's coming back to me. He, he should have called timeout like three different times or clocked the ball. It was, you're right. Now that I'm thinking about this, but it was the goal line stand game. Yeah. They let like 15 seconds run off. And that's, that was, they missed, they yes. lost that. Yeah. Yeah. And they probably should have, honestly. Yeah. Miss, yep. Minnesota mismanaged that one. Yeah. I agree. Minnesota should be scheduled more, but so should Notre Dame. So it's, it's one of those things where as college football gets bigger, it's just not a perfect world anymore. There's just more and more of this shit that, you know, you, you want the, the, um, tradition, but it's just, it's slowly going right. away. So, yep. all right. I think that's a wrap. Um, Tuesday night podcast was a success. Hope you guys dig it. It'll be up and available as soon as I'm done here. So, um, that's all I got. Go blue. Go blue, buddy. All right, guys, we're out. Real talk.